0: Dan Mack is back, and this year she has sought out the best customer-centric thought leaders from around the world. Are you after practical, accessible, and customer-centric marketing? You're in the right place. Sit back and enjoy Dan's small business podcast. For more information, go to www.daniellemckinnis.com or visit www.mckinnismarketing.com.au. So I'm delighted to have Jenny Bliss on the show today. She is what I would call a, an experienced customer expert. So thanks so much, Jenny, for taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. So I've, um, as you know, we've been um, longing to connect and I've been following all the stuff that you do and I, I loved the book, which I think I might have got a couple of years ago now, I Love You More Than My Dog. Um, oh, thank you. It, it's it's just truly awesome. But I don't know whether you're finding this or not. But there seems to be a bit of a swell at the moment around being more customer centric. Are you seeing this as well, or is is it is it just um is it just because we're in the industry?
1: No, actually, it's it's actually wonderful what's happening. There's a couple. Um, things are uh, almost a perfect storm that's prompted this, and um, one of them is you know, we had a dip in the economy, I, w- I think, around the world, and we certainly had it in the United States. I think you experienced yep. a little bit yep. of one where you are as well. And what companies saw during that is that they needed to, you know, it was like finally, after all these years of all of us talking about this, they finally realized gosh, our, our customers we have already, we need to keep them so that when they have money in their pocket again, they'll stay with us and to continue to purchase with us. So that was one big forcing function that I think just suddenly people started to get it. The other is almost more powerful, and it is the social media effect, which is that customers have the biggest megaphone in their hand now, which is the internet and talking to each other and we hardly make a move without giving an opinion of someone, you know, a colleague, a friend, a relative uh, that you might know in person because there's a lot of in-person advocating and um, referrals going on, but also then this whole use of of forums and uh, recommendation sites has created a a big power uh, for the consumer but also has created a requirement of business to stop talking about it and start doing actions that will deliver an experience that their customers will want to have again and tell others about.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not sure whether it is a forced hand or not, but it's certainly better for the customers, so I'm all for that. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to go through the, the five decisions that sort of underpin your book. Um, would you be able to take us through those just briefly?
1: Sure, sure. I'm happy to. Uh, the reason that I kind of framed them this way is because, you know, at the end of the day, companies that are great—I call them beloved—have to be very deliberate about what they will be and about what they will not be, and that—and that is about decision making. You know, the decisions you make result in the actions, and those actions send a signal to customers and employees and the marketplace. About who you are and what you value so uh, what I what I found was that companies really need to realize that they need to make this set of five very deliberate decisions and the first one is deciding to believe this means trusting your customers and trusting your employees those you, who serve them by getting rid of the rules and regulations as much as possible because um, and I'm not saying we get rid of everything, but we create the majority of the rules to protect ourselves from the minority of the customers or employees. So mm. starting without cynicism and recognizing that most people will do the right thing will shift the temperament and feeling inside of your company about both customers and employees. And so. You need to build trust as the cornerstone of your relationship. So that's what decide to believe means. Mm -hmm. Uh, Decide with clarity of purpose is very critical because you need to be very deliberate about deciding why you are intersecting your customer's life. What is the unique value that you deliver to them because... Everyone in your organization needs to understand, adopt, and internalize that because otherwise they're going to just make decisions from their own corner of the world and not have a set of decisions united across your organization. For example, a a great spa company we were working with you know they were hiring a lot of spa technicians from around different parts of the country and each one of them brought with them their own separate skill and their own separate attitude and culture Mm -hmm. and as a result the experience was only as different or good as the aptitude and personality of the, of the spa technicians. So they decided that they were not going to hire spa technicians or be a place of technical services, but rather they were going to create a place of customer escape. And so they hired customer escape artists. Mm-hmm. Which is a completely different mindset, and that clarity that we are here to deliver escape meant that they had to do things very deliberately and operationally reliable to create an environment of escape. You know, that's not about just sending it out into the, the place and saying everybody make escape. You have to do things specifically. Mm -hmm. The third decision is about deciding to be real, and that is something that is coming up more and more and becoming much more of a differentiator, which is be a person. Get rid of the jargon and, you know, allow, create an environment where your employees can bring the best version of themselves to work and make decisions in business that are congruent to the decisions you'd make in your personal life. Have a personality. It doesn't mean you have to be Zappos or any of these really gregarious brands, but but know what your tone is. Write, mm. um, invoices and bills and communication like a human wrote them, not some kind of business machine. Mm. The fourth decision is about deciding to be there. And this is about operational reliability, delivering peace of mind by giving your customer an experience that they know they can count on and that they can repeat back to another friend, client, colleague, here's what I get from them, here's how long it takes, and here's how it feels. Because especially in a world of social media, if you don't have consistency and reliability, your customer is not going to put themselves on the line and recommend you to others. Mm. And the the fifth decision is um, decide to say sorry, which is, you know, every company is made up of human beings, and we make mistakes. How you respond and react to a mistake shows your true colors more than any other that you might action you might have in your business and so these companies really need to be deliberate in repairing the emotional connection when a mistake is made, and they're going to happen
0: yeah, i've got an example of that that happened last week where one of my clients, it's a builder um, actually went on one of the review sites and you know, signed up and had a customer um, put up a review that wasn't that flattering and Mm -hmm. rang rang me and I said, well, I think that you should go back to the customer and talk to them and find out first because his first instinct was to go back to legal and see if there was any ramifications because they'd written something about the company. But that wasn't actually going to solve it. I mean, it's probably going to ignite the situation. So he yep. did, he went back, and you know what? Afterwards that day, the client put another comment um, on that re- review site saying that, you know, to their credit, they came back and spoke to me and tried to rectify the situation, which probably does more for them than, you know, getting it removed anyway.
1: Absolutely, and it's that transparency and that fearlessness of, yeah. um, admitting you made a mistake and having even that open-air dialogue in front of your other customers because you're right. It's these moments that really show your values, and and people are watching for that. And you you know who else is watching for that? Your employees.
0: Exactly. People
1: want to work for a company that does the right thing, that they can have pride in being
0: a part of. So I've got a number of clients that are coming down to um, you know, trying to work out their why, and I really like how you say it's so connected to the person, you know, their, their personal why. I guess, yep. And I've, the clarity of purpose. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And I'm finding that one particular person is really struggling with this, trying to actually pinpoint it down to exactly what it is. And I guess it, it, it's difficult for me to actually pull that out of that individual, because I guess they're not 100% sure. Like they're circling around it, but they haven't really nailed it. And it's well, and if you don't know why you're in business, you know, what? how do you help
1: someone's life? How do you improve their business? Mm. Um, you know, everybody thinks that this is a mission statement exercise, and it's not. Mm. You know, we don't need 15 sentences. We mm. need a simple You know, what it should be is a decision-making lens. Okay, if this is what we are, you know, like the example of the spy, if our job is to create escape, then, gosh, we can't put the customer through the ringer in paying their bill because Mm. that's going to completely ruin all the reverie that they've had and feeling they had an escape.
0: Mm. Well, this particular guy is a builder as well, and he thinks thinks it resonates around, um, you know, always challenging and trying to find a better way to do things, so his is, you, you know, he always asks the question, even of me. Is it is it good, Dan, or is it great? Because if it's not great, we need to think of another way. So he's always sort of pushing that um, with everything, which sometimes can be a little frustrating. But I totally get it because that's just his personality.
1: So yeah, well, people have gotten, I think, a little misguided on some of the customer experience work because they think it's all about the wow moments. Mm. But you know what? If you you need to first be reliable, mm. because again, it, you know, I don't care. You go to a hotel and they ask you what kind of chocolate you want and what kind of pillow. But if there's, you know, hair in the sink and dirt under the bed, who cares?
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. Getting so you. We need to get the fundamentals down because that's what people are... Most customers walk away not because they didn't get a wow moment, but because they didn't have
0: reliability. Mm, That's a really good point.
1: Yep. And you earn the right, especially in like complex business models like financial services, healthcare, insurance. Just reliability is a wow moment.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, that's true because there's so many... (laughs) <laughs> that
1: fall it's into the completely other true. Yeah, and you know a lot of a lot of people in these complex industries will say, "Gosh, we can't do it because of government regulations this or that, well, guess what? then you should be the gosh darn best cruise director of helping your customers navigate that ocean of all of the bureaucracy, and they will give you credit for even helping them navigate that
0: mm. so when you um, one question I wanted to ask you was about feedback and insight and how important mm-hmm. is it getting customers and employees insight in sort of trying to get right. that experience to be better? Right. I'm just wondering what, what, yeah, how important is it and what should you use to try and create that insight? Well, I think it's really
1: important, but I, I call it a building a listening engine or most importantly a listening muscle. And I call it listening And understanding, I don't, VOC, I think, has become kind of overused as a term, voice of the customer. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is understand the customer's life and understand their emotions. And that's not necessarily asking them a survey over and over and over and over again. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Some of it might be following them home and watching, you know, maybe not in a creepy way, watching <laughs> them use your products, understanding their emotions. Um, another thing that's really powerful is your customers, when they're interacting with you, are volunteering feedback to you on a regular basis. Are you creating a categorization of those categories that everybody agrees on across the company, and just trend what your customers are talking about, what their issues are in real time. Mm. We are over-surveying customers, and we should be using survey feedback to validate what we already know from trending real-time feedback and from doing what I call operational listening, which is managing those process metrics and those experience metrics, which are, the cycle times, how responsive we are, how agile we are in responding to things, how quickly we, we, we get back to the customer. You know, do we have consistency and reliability in how long it takes to do something or deliver something? And we should be looking at those metrics with as much rigor as we look at sales goals and know when we're either achieving those or below the line of performance on those. And we should know where we are in those things before our customer tells us. Mm. Absolutely. What about And companies companies keep dumping it on the lap of the customer by surveying them and customers are like enough already with this?
0: Yeah, it's sort of like just try and catch any complaint rather than drive the experience by having
1: Well complaints. and and you know the surveys what it does is it creates a a little bit of a culture of bad behavior where we're chasing after a score and the score is more important than really delivering a better
0: experience. Mm. Well, that's actually. You can see that that, ha- that is happening. So, absolutely. It is happening. What about with employees? How do you how do you capture how they're feeling and how important is how much they love working for you?
1: Well, you know, it's what's on the inside shows up on the outside. You know, think about a jacket that you have that fits nicely on your shoulders and lays really well across. You know, as you're wearing it, and that has everything to do with. The construction of it. The attitude your employees have and extends to your customers has everything to do with how you talk about customers. Is your business, when you do a report out and you say we're customer focused, but is it all about quarterly sales goals? If you tell your frontline to be customer focused but yet they have to toggle between multiple screens or they can't get information or you haven't trained them or you haven't given them the information to do their job, um, then they're going to not feel honored and, and be be frustrated because everybody wants to do the right thing. But you, so this work has got to be about the employee journey as much as it is about the customer journey.
0: I think that's so right. I was talking to John DeJulius and he was saying that um, he must have been working with a firm that was in a five-star hotel and he had a young person. Um, that had never experienced five-star. Like, he didn't even know what mm. it looked like. So to actually right. give them that experience so that they sort of knew the difference and could then live that was a big part of the training because... It,
1: that's right. Well, you know, and that's what, like, USAA does. They make them, USAA, which is an auto or not, an insurance company for the um, military folks, enlisted people and their family members, you know, when they bring in a new hire, they have to actually eat the meals ready to eat, those those dehydrated foods, etc. That the that the folks in the field have to eat. They have to wear the flat jacket and the helmet, so that when the call comes in, um, they ask first about the life and second about the policy. Mm. You know, you need to know your customer's life to serve their life, and it's not a memo. Everybody, be empathetic. You have to do things on purpose to bring people into that mindset to teach them about the life of the customer to have them walk in those shoes and you know as people go up the food chain of the executive ranks they need to be you know sent back into the field on a regular basis to know the customers and to know them as humans
0: so what do you think about the appearance of tools like um, customer journey mapping and personas how do you Feel about those in being able to be more purposeful as we sort of map out what we what we hope the experience will be.
1: Well, I, I, I think they're really wonderful approaches. the The problem is if you do, you know, everybody's jumping on the wagon of journey mapping right now. And I, I mean, I've been doing journey mapping since 1983. Mm-hmm. We started doing it at Lands End around the same time that Jan Carlson came out with his book called Moments of Truth. And and so, I mean, that was in the, the early 80s. And so for us, back at Land's End, it was the methodology upon which we got very deliberate uh, on, on creating operating plans and culture and, it, and changing the language of the business to talk about the first-time customer experience, the Christmas experience. I mean, we used those words back then. But a lot of people are using journey mapping as a, as a workshop, mm-hmm. and then you get a PowerPoint deck and a bunch of Post-it notes, and, okay, we've done that, let's move on. The, the, the real power of it is to say now, for example, instead of doing a report out with our CEO of marketing, sales, operation, we forevermore are going to say, let's talk about the onboarding experience. Let's look at our customer listening Across about each journey, not about what's marketing, doing operations, sales. Let's start creating end-to-end experiences that exist within those stages. Let's drive accountability around the execution of an experience that's deliberate within that stage. So if it's a one-day cool exercise, you bring a consultant in, you've wasted your money.
0: Mm. So what you're saying is it's actually to give insight analyze and actually collaborate across the whole customer experience yeah i mean it has
1: to be embedded it really has to be embedded as part of the dna of the company and then should drive you know I, i do something with my clients called a customer room where we actually traverse the stages of the experience of the customer journey every month and we we start with you know, what I call customer math. What are your new customers' volume and value? This is all from my chief customer officer book. What are your new customers' volume and value? What are your lost customers' volume and value? And then we go through every stage and, you know, we might play a call or show a customer trying to sign up for an account or whatever it is so that we're stepping through the life of the customer and then stage by stage of the journey see what issues have emerged that month. Mm-hmm. So that you're constantly using that that language and agreeing with a with the leaders of the company to say, okay, here is a big issue. We need a cross functional team to work on this. And then it's like what I call an evergreen or a repeatable cycle where you're always stepping through the journey and it becomes part of the life of the business. It's not this fad thing, you know, that you've brought somebody in to do. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I was just, as you were going through that, thinking how much of of customer experience is now a building block, just like sales or marketing is in terms of, you know, companies today?
1: Well, it should be foundational, you know. I mean, when it's done well, it drives, you know, annual planning, it drives accountability, It it should drive the way you build your listening engine. Um, It should inform sales and marketing because sales and marketing shouldn't be about just acquisition. It should also be about proactive outreach to the customer at points where their relationship might be at risk, Mm -hmm. um, deliberately before a renewal, not as a tactical thing of please sign the new contract, but to say, Let's start six months before a renewal to identify where this customer has had a hard time. Let's solve those issues so we earn the right to their confidence. And, of course, they're going to stay with us. But a lot of times it becomes, oh, are you going to sign up again? And it's this very kind of transactional thing. The sales guys go out and try to get more money from the customer.
0: Yeah, I was was speaking to a a UK um, guy called Rick Harris, who's in this field, and he was saying that, um, you know, for example, the banks have a lot of information about us and they could easily look at our checking account and our That's you know, right. de- debted account and actually say, well, look, you know, I'm going to make the best call for the, com- for the customer here. You know, they can either have incur more fees or I can actually make this transfer so that they won't incur those fees. But it's just whether they choose to do that or behave that way. Don't well, and it's those it's those proactive contacts that
1: people aren't understanding are very powerful. Those are the you know me, you value me, you understand how long I've been with you contacts. Mm. And and that's I think the you know that's that's oh. But what's funny is when we do journey mapping, the two stages of the experience that companies misunderstand the most are the 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 first stage which is discovering who you are as a company. They'll they'll always say it's oh trade shows or B to B B to C, going on the internet, but fine, but what are you doing when they get there? Are you realizing from clarity of purpose standpoint, are you giving them information to find out what their problem is that they're trying to solve? Are you giving them thought leadership so that when they go to your site, even before they decide to buy something, they feel value from you. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about who you are as people? Are you connecting with them in a human and value-driven way so that you become in their consideration set that of, of a company they want to work with? And, and that's so, such an important stage that people don't realize the power of that stage if you really think about it from a customer journey standpoint. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's looked at as the acquisition stage, but that's, it's so much more than acquisition. You're, you're kind of putting the first taste in people's mouth around, you know, who are they? Who are they as people? Yeah. And gosh, yeah. even if I don't buy something from them, I'm going to get great value from them and I'll remember them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you've made me feel like a human because, you know, you are human. <laughs>
1: right. You know, in, let's go back to the example of a, of a bank. Maybe you're not ready to open a bank account, but maybe there's a diagnostic on there that says, Do you have a teenager coming up? Here's how to protect yourself and start planning for their college. You know, whatever it is, and maybe you're not going to open an account, but gosh, there's a tool you got on that website, and you could even call somebody or download something. Wow. Yeah, you know, they've, they they've, give, they've created a magnetic
0: pull there. Yeah, it's okay, it's not just driven from self interest.
1: It's... Yes, there you go. And then that last stage, which is around building building a bond and relationship and an advocate, those are those proactive outreach things that say gosh if we if we know you opened an account and you've just built a house or whatever." maybe we proactively send you some thought leadership information about what's going on or, you know, or we, if you called customer service five times, wow, you're having a hard time. We need to reach out to you proactively and see what's happening.
0: Mm, You're using that information to make better decisions.
1: Yeah. It's not about just renewing your account, which is what a lot of people think. It's like you said earlier, it's the self-serving transactional thing of making sure they're spending money. Mm -hmm. Well... We need to use, you know, the term I use with my clients and is, is earn the right. What are you going to do on purpose
0: to earn the right? Mm. Because we've got a choice and we don't have to spend our time with you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Well, look, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything that you're working on at the moment or any great customers that you're, um, you know, enjoying and, and doing this stuff with that you wanted to share? Well,
1: Well, I am. I'm working on some new media things, which are I'm doing. Actually, I'm going to be doing a a web channel directly to customers, which is going to be um, Customer Bliss TV, which I'm very excited about. And it's going to be basically, you know, a little bit of a rant: Um, Why oh why, you know, can't (laughs) bank? Know who you are. And then I'm going to be talking about um, here's what, here's how to interview your bank before you sign up for them. So it's going to be kind of flipped to the other side, talking directly to consumers, giving them a little bit of, um, you know, first aid on how to be a customer out there in the world, and then highlighting some great companies. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're working on that right now.
0: Oh, that sounds fantastic and um, very customer-centric of you, G, which is great. Well, I'm excited. I think it'll be really fun. It's so nice because you are such a customer advocate and, I don't know. I ask this question a lot of my guests. I don't know whether it's just that, you know, maybe you're born with this empathy or this lens or whatever it is, or whether you just learn it. But not everyone is like that. So it's a really special thing. Um, and I so much enjoy your videos and and everything you're doing. You, you certainly deserve all the success because it is so nice to have people out there that care, and you can genuinely feel that through everything you do. So. I for one I'm really am really grateful for everything that you've contributed to the the customer experience um, well
1: you're welcome, and I think you're a kindred spirit in that same in that same work so kudos to you right back at you
0: <laughs> well it's a big love fest but um no I really appreciate it and i will look forward to um to seeing that customer of TV. So I thank you very oh, much. Oh, you're
1: today. welcome. And, yeah, and in the meantime, um, you know, I'd love your folks to go to my, my blog, which is ccocoach.com, and there's new information I'm adding every day, and that's kind of my love letter to the brave customer crusaders of the world, just giving them as much information as they can.
0: Oh, great. Well, I'll put a link to that on your website, and um, I really appreciate your time today. You're okay. very welcome. Okay, take care. Hey, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. For more great marketing tips, go to Dan's blog at www.daniellemcginnis.com and sign up for her marketing tips or visit her website at www.mcginnismarketing.com.au. Catch you next time.